hope you're doing well this morning. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm so glad that you're here uh, this morning. It's, uh, you know, the first, actually it's the second Sunday of the year, but, you know, this is kind of the first Sunday that we're all, like, not on holiday vacation, right? You know, I mean, like, it was then and this is now, now, right? Uh, that is what it is. Um, but I want, I want to ask you a question before we get started this morning. How many of you uh, began something new this past week? Raise your hands if you, you know, like you, don't be shy. Like if you, you know, or if you stopped something old or began something new, you have a resolution, a goal. Raise your hands up high. Be proud. Okay. So you got in the gym and exercise. Raise your, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. All right. I'm right there with you. Okay. If you started something new, you got rid of something old. How, how many of you students started school this week? All right. All right, very good, awesome. If you didn't, you're in real trouble. So, uh, but um, this is the week to start things new, right? This is the week when you go into the gym and it's crowded in the gym, right? Am I right about that? This is the week when you go to the grocery store and there's nothing in the vegetable area. Like they're all gone. Like you can get all the Twinkies and you know ding-dongs that you want and candy right now this week, but everything else is gone. This is the week for, for newness. And I, I love the fact that um, if you're a Christ follower here today, um, that you and I, we mentioned this last week, that we get to celebrate newness of life because of what Christ did on the cross. And I have felt for a while that I wanted to lead us as a church in a series on the subject that we're going to talk about uh, over the next four weeks. And for some of you, this is going to be as new of a practice as going to the gym. <laughs> for some of you, what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is going to seem extraordinarily odd. And as, if we talk about it, which we will in the context of a spiritual practice, it's going to be maybe it's going to seem maybe uncomfortable and, you know, just kind of like awkward a little bit. Like this is not a spiritual practice. All right. And there are some of you, they're going to be sitting next to someone you love, whether it's a spouse or a brother or sister or mom and dad, or one of your kids. And like, I'm going to be talking about the subject of rest over the next few weeks, and there's going to be elbows going back and forth, all right? And I get that, and I understand that. Um, some of you are going to be like, listen, he said that I can sleep in. You know, he said that I can take a day off and do nothing, mom, okay? Like, take this in the spirit of what it's intended, and that is, is God's word has a lot to say about rest, God's word has a tremendous to say about a tremendous amount to say about rest, and it's interesting because in our culture, um, we're going to find out over the next few weeks with some stats that I want to share with you um, that we as Americans um, don't get enough rest, and I'm not just talking about sleep. And I want to preface this whole series by um, that fact and that caveat, that kind of preface, that I'm going to be talking about rest, but I want you to understand that when we're talking about rest, we're not necessarily talking about sleep, although that may be a component. The rest that we're talking about um, is not sleep. It's also not death, okay? That's an old word for rest. We're not going there, okay? I promise you. We're talking about rest as in taking a pause and finding rest in Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I think we have this epidemic in America today, and it's, and it's this. Um, we in America um, work hard, and we play hard, um, but we don't know what it means to rest, 
In fact, one of the uh, presidential candidates has uh, been heard recently saying that uh, here in America, um, we need to increase the amount of hours in our workforce. And a study came out that among economic leading countries that we have the highest average uh, per hour's work a week. And um, it seems silly, but this includes part-time, full-time, every time it's like 33 hours a week. And that's for all employees, which is the highest among economic developed countries. Um, I don't know that we necessarily have a work problem. We may have a productivity problem, and that's a whole nother series, and you can go and look at the election, I'm sure, to hear some more about that. Um, but here in America, I do believe that um, we work hard. But here in America, as many of you know, we like to play hard as well. And so what happens in America is that we take downtime, and we spend downtime having fun and playing. It's a day at the beach that's an all-day at the beach. It's a day at the lake that's an all-weekend at the lake. It's uh, trips here and trips there. We just crave, we're addicted as people to adventure, aren't we, in recreation? Um, you know, boating companies and um, the golf course industry is coming back, uh, albeit, you know, slowly, I realize. And um, there is so much out there for us to do, and there are so many places for us to go that we just crave, we absolutely crave adventure and recreation. So we, we work hard, and we understand that, and we play hard, and we understand that, but I think the ec- epidemic comes in to the idea that um, we as people just do not know how to rest. We don't know how to rest. And rest is such an important part of not only our physical lives, but also, and most importantly, our spiritual lives. God made us to rest. We're going to take a look at that today. But you and I have a hard time. We understand hard work. We understand hard play. But we have a hard time understanding what rest is all about. And I want to tell you that in Scripture, there's a lot that God says about rest. Isn't that nice? I got a Star Wars Lego thing that Sean stuck in my Bible. Perfect. Anyway, um, that was great. Christmas present for Sean there. So uh, anyway, um, we just don't understand what rest is all about. And so what we're going to do on these next four weeks, and I'm really excited about this, and part of the reason I'm excited about this is I want to let you know, I'm just opening myself up here, the last two years have been two of the hardest years of my life, and part of the reason that the last two years has been uh, part of uh, two of the hardest years of my life is that I don't think I came into the last two years completely understanding the spirit of what God intends for us when he's talking about rest. We're not just talking about, I had a bad night's sleep here. We're talking about um, something that is essential for your soul and my soul. And I didn't understand that. And two years later, um, I've been beat up and battered in part because I didn't understand what rest really means in God's economy. And so we're going to look at that today. But I got to begin with clearing up a a kind of a misunderstanding of maybe the way um, we as Christians in America understand um, this idea of rest. And it really kind of centers around three different words that I want to clear up today. Um, There are words, and and this will be on the screen, and you can uh, write notes if you want to. You got a blank page there. All this is online, by the way. The three words that I want to clear up that's usually a misunderstanding uh, when centering your kind of discussion about rest is this whole idea of Sabbath and worship and then rest. 
Uh, there's a real misunderstanding in Scripture and from Scripture about these words. Um, we sometimes often take these words and think that they all mean the same thing, and two of them do mean the same thing. One of them is something completely different. So I want to begin by helping kind of clear up this misunderstanding, and then I'm going to give you three points today that is really going to be foundational for these next few weeks. So please don't miss these next few weeks. Um, we have Wednesday night service as well at 8 o'clock right behind me. So if you, you can't come on Sunday, please come on Wednesday night podcasts, online. I want you to be engaged in this because I believe that this could actually transform your spiritual life and my spiritual life if we took it seriously. Let's clear up this misunderstanding first and foremost. I think that in America, in our culture, we've had this understanding that there's one day a week that's set aside for worship. And it comes from an Old Testament principle um, called the Sabbath. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a def definition of what the word Sabbath means, but our understanding of it links back all the way to the beginning of the Bible in Exodus, and it's, it's the Sabbath day, okay, which is a little bit different. It's slightly different. Um, this is Exodus, so this is the law, and this is Exodus 16.23. There was a Sabbath day established for the Jewish people in the Old Testament that the first church followed. And I want you to capture this. Um, it, it, it's a specific day under the Mosaic law that was set aside for the purpose of rest and remembrance. A specific day under the Mosaic law that was set aside for the purpose of rest and remembrance. And it comes from this passage. He said to them, verse 23, there's a first part. This is what the Lord has, what's that next word? Commanded, okay. Tomorrow is a solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. And so that was intended to lay a foundation for the Jewish people and people who were God followers that on the seventh day of the week they were to rest and to worship essentially or to remember the goodness of God. And over time that kind of like morphed into a day that they would gather together and then worship. But here's how it went. It was Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. That was their seventh day. Um, and even in the first church, in the first 150 years of the first Christian church, um, the, the, the church observed the Sabbath on Saturday. In fact, even today, there's the Seventh-day Adventists that believe that like, the day of worship is on Saturday. And, and what I want you to hear is that once Jesus came and died, the day of the week that you worship on doesn't matter any longer. And some of you are like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're supposed to worship on Saturday or on Sunday. That's what the Bible says. I understand what that's what the Bible says, but you're going to see as we walk through this that Jesus came to bring completion to the law. And then he talked about having a real Sabbath, which is something completely different or different than what we think it is. Now, over time, what has happened is about 150 years into the history of the church, about 120 to 150 years uh, after Jesus died, Christians began to worship together um, like they would come together and worship like we are today on Sunday um, for a variety of reasons. Um, the, the kind of the, the most like uh, dramatic one is that Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday. 
And so it was just the natural kind of like, you know, hey, this is the day that we are going to come together and we're going to worship together. But um, I want you to understand that what Jesus wants us to understand is the heartbeat of the meaning of the word Sabbath, not the um, exact like, you know, execution of the law anymore because we don't live under the law anymore. He wants us to understand the spirit of the Sabbath. And so if you look at the definition of the word, it literally means a deep rest or a deep peace. A deep rest or a deep peace. And just like if I were to say hi to you today or hello or what's up, or whatever the case may be, que pasa, what's up, you know, whatever. Like, those words mean the same thing, right? This word literally means the same thing for the Hebrew word, and some of you know it, you can say it with me, which is for peace, which is shalom. It literally means the same thing. And we're going to talk more about that next week, that Sabbath and shalom literally mean, I said that so well, shalom mean the same thing. Like Sabbath and shalom, I guess that's like you can't say that five times fast. But anyway, if you put those together, like they literally mean the same thing. You see, in God's economy, peace and rest are synonymous. They're one and the same. Peace and rest are one and the same thing. The problem is, is that if you look at just about any survey, um, Americans, even Christians, Ameri- Christian Americans, are nothing, nothing at all peaceful. In, in fact, we're, we're actually like very um, hungry for something more. We're, we're really never at peace. And I think part of the reason that we're never at peace is because we never rest We never shalom. We never get to the point where we pause and find our shalom, find our peace, find our rest, find our Sabbath in God. And so we're never at peace. And there's another word that I want you to to understand. Because often what we've done in our culture, in the Jewish culture, in the Christian culture, and in the modern-day Christian culture, is we've taken this idea of Sabbath, which means rest, and we've combined it with the idea of worship, and we've kind of merged them together, which isn't bad if you find shalom in that. The problem is, is that we reserve worship then just for the day that we gather together with other Christians. And you see, that's the flaw in our thinking because worship is literally this, something that we do that we practice every single day. The first church gathered daily. Look at Acts 2, 46, and day by day. They attended the temples and look at verse 47, uh, and had favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number daily. Oh, I forgot the most important part in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the, with all the people. That's worship. And so what um, Luke is writing there in Acts is, is that worship is something that you and I do every day. Just like we talked last week, if you were here for our communion service, that we can take the idea of communion home. We are supposed to worship every day. David, um, who was King David, who was the shepherd boy, you know, killed Goliath and became king. You know, Bathsheba had one bad day and Bathsheba and all that kind of stuff. David, who literally wrote the book on, on worship, it's a book called Psalms. Um, literally, he worshiped every day. He, um, it says in Psalm 71, verse 8, my mouth is filled with your praise and your glory all the day. You see, worship is something that we ought to do individually. And then when we come together corporately, 
we're coming together to celebrate together the worship that we've already been doing. Are you with me this morning, church? This is what God meant by worship. And yes, Sabbath and worship can coexist. Rest and worship can coexist. But I've got to tell you that the problem is, is that so often we think of the Sabbath day or the day of worship as just worship. And we ignore the rest. Rest is this. Rest is something that we should practice one day of every week. One day of every week. See, we make it about attending church, and that's important. But God wants you to have rest. He wants me to have rest. What happens on Sunday is a result of that rest. We kind of like get obsessed with this idea that like it has to be on Sunday. Hey, we have a worship service on Wednesday nights. Like if that were true, what I just said, then we're violating a lot of laws, but Jesus came to complete the law, so it doesn't matter what day that we worship on. There's, um, I was given a bunch of notes years ago before I became a pastor, and um, I'll show you these sometime. I got a whole series I'm developing. It was handwritten notes um, that kids wrote to God. One of them was this. Um, this is from little Jenny. This is, these are little kids writing notes. Jenny said this, Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there right now. And that's kind of the way we treat church, right? There's just nothing good there right now. So, like, you know, what's that about? And so we go to one extreme or the other. We either ignore church and don't worship corporately together, or uh, that's all we do, and we just go from one thing to the other, even though those things may be good. I believe there's a better way, and to understand that, I want to give you three quick points this morning. First and foremost, God created practiced and modeled rest. God created, he practiced, and he modeled rest. And it began in the beginning at creation. He rested when he was done. Genesis 2, 2 and 3 says this. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. We're going to come back to that in a moment because on it, God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. God, when he was finished with his work, rested. And in doing so, he created rest, but he also modeled rest, didn't he? He modeled rest. We, we see Jesus, and we're going to have to take a look at these passages, but we see Jesus um, out with his disciples on a fishing boat, and a storm arises. And what is Jesus doing in the midst of the storm? He's sleeping. He wasn't lazy, y'all. He was at peace. He had shalom with God, partly because he understood the idea of rest. God created it. He modeled it. Jesus practiced it. Matthew Henry, one of my favorite um, authors, and he's a commentary he's a theologian, says the, the solemn, these are old, old words, the solemn obser observance of one day in seven as a day of holy rest honors God. 
And, and he goes on to say that it's, it's indispensable to all the other Christian practices that we have. It's part of practicing being a Christian is to rest. God modeled it. Listen, if God did it and Jesus did it, I sure need it, don't you? We need rest. Um, and it's interesting because um, you, you really can't talk about this subject with, without talking about the opposite of it. Um, it's just like you can't talk about heaven without talking about hell, or you can't talk about life without talking about death. Um, you can't talk about love without talking about hate. Um, I think that part of the problem, I know for me, and I, I would imagine that this is probably the case for many of you, and maybe even students uh, for you, we don't take the time in our work and with our family and in, in our jobs, we don't take it seriously enough. So we bring it home. We think about it at night. I admit that I do that. Um, we, we obsess about it. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves not able to take a day off because we haven't finished what we've done. You saw that God finished first and then he rested. And I think that we need to understand that as well. We need to understand that we have to work hard so that we can rest, so that we can find that time to rest and find our rest in God. We, we really have extreme problems. We're, we're either workaholics or we're sluggards. <laughs> Happy Sunday, everybody. I just called you, some of you sluggards. Yes, I did. But here's what I want you to hear, that with this issue, sometimes we are lazy in our attempt to find rest because we're obsessed with a thousand other things. I, I admit it last night, I, I gave, I'm going to give you the, the best example of how not to do this. I was watching that game last night, that football game, the NFL game. Uh, I don't even care about the teams that were playing. No offense to people from Pittsburgh or Cincinnati. I did not care, but I couldn't turn it off. And you know what it all came down to? Self-discipline on my part. I was so captivated by the fight where a football game broke out that, like, I just was, like, you know, couldn't turn the TV off. You see, we have to be disciplined to stop our lives long enough to be able to rest in God. He created it, he modeled it, and also he says that it was holy, and that doesn't mean that there's like this um, like formality that we need to have towards it. You know what holy means? It means set apart or reserved for a specific purpose. Set apart or reserved for a specific purpose. So if Sabbath means rest, holy means set apart, God is instructing you and I um, not that we need to have a specific day to come to worship, although we do that on Sundays, kind of the, the Christian heritage, but he is saying that you and I should set aside a day of the week to rest. And God not only created it and modeled it and practiced it, but secondly, God created rest because he knows that we need it. God created rest because he knows that you and I need rest. Not just physical rest, but that too, but mainly spiritual rest. He knows that we need to stop. There, there are a couple passages in Mark where you see Jesus working on the Sabbath. Now, that would have been the um, most obvious, like, blatant violation of the Old Testament law. 
And both times, or a couple times there, he's uh, approached by the, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, and they confront him about this. Um, one is found in, in Mark chapter 2, um, verses 23 through 28. Check this out. Mark chapter 2, 23 through 28. On the Sabbath, or excuse me, one Sabbath, he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they, he and his disciples, made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. They began to harvest the grain. And the Pharisees, those are religious leaders, those are the guys that always called out people when they were breaking the law, um, were saying to him, look, um, why are they doing this that is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, I love Jesus when he like turns it on them. He said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and he was hungry? Um, he and those that were with him, how they entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence. And he even goes on to explain, which is, it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And David also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Rest was made for man. And then he goes on to say, and I am Lord of the Sabbath, so son of man. He's talking about himself there as Lord of even the Sabbath. Now, he's communicating two things. Number one, he's communicating to these pious, holier-than-thou religious zealots that they aren't in charge. He is. I love that. Don't you love that? Like when self-righteous people get called out by Jesus, that's awesome stuff. It really is, right? But he is also pointing out to you and me that rest, I want you to capture this, rest was made for us. Sabbath was made for us. Shalom was made for us. God knew that we needed it. I've been reading Tim Keller's book, um, Jesus the King. Todd Cooper read it and he said, you gotta read this. And um, he, he dedicates a whole chapter um, to this idea of rest. It's fantastic and he says this. He says, the law of God directed that you had to rest from your work one day in seven. Uh, that was wonderful, of course, but the religious leaders of the day had fenced in this law with a stack of specific regulations. There were 39 types of activities that you could not do on the Sabbath. As you leave today, you'll get a copy of those 39 so that you don't do them today. I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Okay, if you didn't get that, you're not awake yet. That's okay. Uh, there were 39 types of activities that you could not do on the Sabbath, including reaping grain, which was his disciples were doing, um, which is what the Pharisees accused the disciples of doing. And Mark goes on to record a second incident that we'll take a look at uh, here on the, that occurred on the Sabbath. Um, there were so many rules surrounding it, and all, what, what the religious leaders were saying was that this was all about keeping rules. And Jesus says, no, that's not what it's about. It's never about that. It's about a relationship with him. And how can we have a relationship with him when we are exhausted? I mean, let's admit it. How many of you ended 2015 completely exhausted. Raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to be honest this morning. Most of us, right? Us. Did you notice I included myself in that? Most of us. God created the Sabbath for us, not the other way around. Listen, we practice this here 
at Hilton Head Island Community Church, I instruct my staff to take one day off a week to rest. Now, I'm not a big believer in a five-day work week. See, that's the balance. I'm a believer that, you know, man, to be a man or woman of God, um, <laughs> kids, moms and dads are work, right? Family is sometimes work. Um, things happen things go wrong. We're going to talk more about the details of this next week, but we as a church take Fridays as our Sabbath. It's a day off. If you'd call me, I'll return your call Saturday or Sunday. It is a day off for for myself and our staff. The office is closed, and part of the reason I'm telling you this is I don't want you to think that we arbitrarily do that. We do that because God told us to rest, and the fact is is that we're getting ready for Sunday on Saturday. I spend half the day Saturday working. Um, Many of our staff do too, Um, and you know Sunday is essentially a full work day. So Friday is our Sabbath, and my wife and I, Cynthia and I, have really begun to practice this over the last six months and we're kind of re-upping for this year. We had a day Friday where we did a few minor things, but the most of the day was resting, and I cannot tell you um, how that changed yesterday and how already it's changing today. And I realize that some of you are like, yeah, but you don't understand my situation. Well, you know, we help with this because we have this idea of, Like when you serve here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, um, our goal is to have every volunteer sit and serve. And and our goal is to have you only serve maybe a couple times a month. If everybody who is a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church were to serve in some capacity on Sundays, you would be able to have a full day of rest if Sunday is your day of rest. And it's okay to come and worship and then rest the rest of the day. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But it's time to evaluate. I want to ask you this tough question, then I'm going to wrap up. Um, do you practice or do you ignore God's command to rest? Do you practice this in your life or do you ignore it? I know I've gone through times where I have ignored this and it has just absolutely undermined my whole life physically, in my marriage, with my kids, spiritually with the Lord. I want to encourage you to not continue to ignore the practice of rest. There's a great book that I online, um, I've linked it uh, for you. It's um, a guy by the name of Richard Foster who wrote one of the classic books called The Celebration of Discipline. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the next three weeks. But he talks about having times of solitude and being alone. And I'm an extrovert. I don't like being alone. Um, But you and I need to learn what it means to practice it because here's why. Uh, Point number three, and here's where we'll end. You see, we more easily discover God's plan for peace in our lives, for abundance in our lives, and for intentionality when we find one day a week to rest. You and I, um, we more easily discover the fullness of what God desires for us, and if you have a family, for our families, and for our purpose, if you you haven't found your purpose, for our purpose, we can more easily discover that when we have a day to stop and find our rest in him. Matthew 11, 28 says this, and and I just absolutely love this passage. He, He says, come to me, 
all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That sounds really good, doesn't it? He can give you that. You can find rest. You can find your way out of whatever you're in and the discouragement that you're in. But I promise you that if you're a Christ follower here today and you ignore this principle, it is going to be exponentially that much more difficult for you to find your way out of whatever you may be in that's bringing you down. That one day a week can make a huge difference in your life. And so my challenge to you today, the action item is this. Take time this week. Take time this week to evaluate your weekly schedule. Look at your weekly schedule. It's the beginning of the year. We've all begun new things. We've all put an end to old things. Evaluate your weekly schedule and find when your Sabbath should be. Don't ignore worship. You do that privately. You do it maybe with your family, with your life group, with your Bible study. You don't ignore it by coming in here once a week. God's command is clear on that all through the New Testament. You don't ignore the idea of coming together to worship, but you also don't ignore the command that God gives to take a day out of your life to be renewed. Keller goes on to describe another time when the religious leaders were angry at Jesus because he wanted to heal a man's hand on the Sabbath. And he goes on to defiantly heal the man's hand. And Keller says this, to heal the man's shriveled hand is to do exactly what the Sabbath is all about. It's to to do exactly what the Sabbath is all about. Yet because the leaders are so concerned that the Sabbath regulations be observed, they don't want Jesus to heal this man. An incredible example of missing the forest for the trees. And he says their hearts are as shriveled as the man's hand. I love that. But before that, Keller says this, and this is what I want you to hear this morning. He says, why does Jesus become angry with the religious leaders? Because the Sabbath is about restoring the diminished The Sabbath is about replenishing the drained, and it's about repairing the broken. And I would imagine that there's a lot of you who are here today who are diminished, and you're drained, and you're broken. And your first step, getting back to a place where you are restored and revitalized and repaired, is to find that day that you set aside to rest in God. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like exactly, what the different options from God's word are. But today, I just want you to make that commitment to find that time in your week where you can do that. Would you pray with me this morning? God, you want to be the God who restores and replenishes and repairs us. Um, But God, we have to stop for a moment what we're doing. We have to stop the rat race of life, the tyranny, the urgent, the the things that are absolutely um, causing us to worry and and be despondent and even perhaps depressed about life. God, we have to stop all of that for a day. And, And we have to find our rest in you. And God, over these next few weeks, I pray for those who walked in here today 
um, and they are broken. God, and they are tired, and they are weary, and they are in great need of repair, and they are in great need of being replenished. And God, they desperately need water for their spiritual lives. God, we give you glory and we thank you that you created a day where we can find shalom, where we can find Sabbath, where we can find rest and have peace. God, you have already done your part and we give you the glory for that. We thank you for that. Now help us to do ours. If you're here today, um, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything other than raise your hand. And this is for those of you who are Christians and, and even may not be yet. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, um, if you're here today and you'd say, Todd, I'm, I'm in great need of repair and replenishment. Um, I, I am absolutely fatigued beyond belief, spiritually included. Um, just raise your hand this morning so that I can pray for you. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise them up high. I want to pray for you. Just keep them up for a moment. Say, I need to find that day. I need to find that day. Just keep your hands up. I'm raising my hand too, by the way. Right there with you. God, I thank you for those who are raising their hand. God, you see their hand. Um, God, they're, they're in need of a day. Um, they're in need of rest that they find in you. God, I pray that they, they would be intentional and specific this week about taking, um, taking one day and setting it aside where they can be replenished, revitalized, and even rebuilt. God, I pray for your work in their lives. God, I pray for just a mighty wind to blow their way. And God, I pray that it's something that they um, will grasp onto and that they'll take seriously just as much as they take every other part of their life seriously. You can put your hand down now. God, I pray for each one of us who came in today weary and heavy laden. And God, I'm so thankful that you give us rest. God, I'm so thankful that um, you are the one um, who gives us the ultimate rest, and that's spiritually in heaven. God, but I thank you that in the meantime, you've given us rest here on this earth. I pray that we would be a people who find it in you, God. Thank you for who you are. Now we give our praise to you for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, I pray.